Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on buying event tickets, sharing celebrations, writing thank yous for gifts that don't work out, and calling teachers by their first names. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about avoiding certain Christmas songs. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on thank you notes with a new point. Yes, just when you thought you knew everything about thank you notes, we've come up with some more. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Dan Post-Senning. And I'm Lizzie Post. And today we want to wish everybody who celebrates a happy Kwanzaa. We are currently, I feel like, uh, rolling around in the aftermath of the the Christmas holiday in our own homes, but we hope that others are gathering and getting festive for this holiday. Lizzie Post, what a great reminder. The 26th, first day of Kwanzaa. I'm a little sad that we all didn't get together for our big post family gathering this year after two years of pandemic. But I, I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm wiping a tear from the corner. Know, I'm turning know, my fist ever know, so slightly. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but it is really nice, frankly, to be in what I think of as our off week. While while this tends to be a week where we might get. The, the wonderful and very exciting call to go do something like a morning show or something for some mm-hmm. from New Year's etiquette coming up. It is also the week where we often shut down. I actually do put up the I'm out of office <laughs> reminder, even though you and I do work during this week. We kind of try hard not to. <laughs> it's very like work as you see fit. Ah, <laughs> uh, family business. <laughs> and I cannot tell you, man, after after just the wild rush of what the book launch was and the selling out of the books and the getting the books in and the selling out of them again. I mean, it is just feeling really nice to have a quiet week. Very grateful for all the excitement that the past four months have been. But boy, very excited to kick the feet up. And 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 I, I do believe I had to peel myself off the couch one day. <laughs> I, I am so feeling you. I'm imagining myself as like a Christmas leftover meal. That yeah. I'm, that, that's 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 the, the the general vibe that I'm projecting forward into what we're calling the lull week between the Christmas holiday and the New Year. I am like you, Lizibo, so looking forward to it. And I, I hadn't connected the the busyness of the fall and the holiday season to the book launch, but mm-hmm. it has been a lot. There's been a lot going on. You've been traveling a lot, and there's something about the eight to 12 inches that just landed on us and the winter wonderland I'm looking out at. and so beautiful up in your area right now. (laughs) It really is. It's like snap your fingers and imagine (laughs) your picture perfect holiday experience. And it's sort of been just landed on us like some sort of alien arrival. It came late. But that it's comes here. every year. <laughs> and I just want to relax and enjoy it. I'm I'm so looking forward to this week where our lovely awesome etiquette audience is hopefully hearing this podcast launch if I've successfully scheduled it to do so. <laughs> I sure hope so. Don't forget. Don't forget. And I hope that everyone out there is having an equally relaxing or exciting or joyful or Thoughtful, however you like to celebrate your holiday, however that peace takes shape in your life. I I wish it for everyone out there, and I hope that this week is a lot of whatever anyone needs it to be. 
<laughs> well, despite the fact that here we are talking about wanting to kick our feet up, relax, not do anything, put on our out-of-office notifications and all of the above. Pair of funny um, antlers and a silly hmm, sweater. Do you want to maybe do some work today, cuz, and get to some questions? I do. <laughs> I do, too. Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND, that's 802-858-5463, or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst, on Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute, and on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom, and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question this week is about ticket troubles. Dear Lizzie and Dan, hi there. First, I love your podcast. I look forward to it every week. I fell in love with etiquette when I was little. My mom had an Emily Post book on the coffee table, and being me, I read the whole thing. (laughs) Ever since then, I was hooked. You have taught me oh so much. Thank you. I have a question. Well, technically, I have two. They essentially involve who is responsible for paying for tickets to an event and how to politely back out of attending after a misunderstanding. To provide some context, my fiancé's father called and said he would like to take his wife to a play in the city for Christmas and would like the family to come. He wanted to arrange a car for transportation as well. We thought this was sweet since we know his wife loves spending time with family and would enjoy the experience over a material gift. My fiancé's sisters were involved in finding the seats and getting the tickets, because his dad is not as savvy. We were never asked if we were okay with X amount per ticket. However, I should note that the price of the tickets was casually thrown around in conversation, but more so as a, these tickets have a better view sort of thing. Then, days after the purchase, we were told we owed X amount per ticket and X amount for a certain car company. It is a substantial amount. Personally, I have seen this play before, and my fiancé does not care for plays. We also would not want to take a car into the city as it is easier and less expensive to drive and park. We were simply going along as it was framed as a planned gift for his wife. I recognize that this could have been avoided with better communication. We could have asked if we were responsible for our tickets and the cost of the car he wants us to ride in, but I am still perplexed. 
Were we wrong for presuming the host who invited us to a play, which was phrased as a gift in the form of a family experience for his wife, was purchasing the tickets and covering the transportation? We do not want to spend our money this way and would like to sell the tickets now. How do you suggest going about communicating this without hurting anyone's feelings? Thank you for any advice. Best confused. Oh, man. This is such a difficult situation. Dan, in my head, I have one kind of quick answer. And the the problem with it is that it makes a lot of assumptions. And we all know on this podcast that's danger territory anytime you start assuming stuff. And part of me says, oh, nuts, this really didn't get the level of communication that Confused even recognizes it should have gotten in order for it to go better or for everybody to really understand the costs involved, the participation level and everything. And knowing that, knowing that it didn't go well, there is a big part of me that wonders whether or not Confused and Confused's fiance are technically able to afford this even though they wouldn't want to. And if that's the case, part of me says for the fact that this is a family gathering thing, go for it. I think you might be able to get out of taking the car in and instead say, you know what, we're realizing it's going to work better for our plans if we just drive in and meet you there. So we'll do that. But I think this is one where it's a big oops in the communication factor that that people weren't clear about whether this was a gift for the whole family or only a gift for the fiance's mother or the fiance's father's wife. I'm not sure which we we prefer to identify her as, but I feel like it's an oops that the communication didn't come from everywhere. But I can also hear in this that the fiance's father might have kind of been asking for everyone to participate in this, not be treated to it. And so there's a big part of me that says, if if you can swing it, I know you don't like plays that much. I think I think Confused said that they already had seen it. But I say go for it with the spirit of this is about making the stepmother or the mother in the family very happy doing something that she really wants to do and, and support the father in a surprise for the, the mother or the stepmother. And I just say run with it and go with it in the in the. In the vein of family spirit and, you know, shoot, this one didn't go the way we thought. No, it's not what we would love to do. However, we're going to go for this, you know. Next year, note to self, if something like this pops up, we will set it up better. And I think the wiggle room is that you might be able to get out of the expensive car ride. But all of what I just said assumes that the financial on the tickets alone isn't such a big hit that that you couldn't do it. I, I worry about backing out of this except in the scenario where you really cannot do this, you know, and then I think it's a conversation with the father. It's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. And I, I like you, I'm keen on that etiquette moment of, is it an invitation or is it a a request to help someone organize something? And I like you, I think you, you put it very quickly in the lesson learned category and say to yourself, anytime something like this comes up, you can always ask, hey, are we thinking about this as something that we're each chipping in on or is pot planning to treat on this one? And yeah. with, with just that much clarity, all of a sudden the, the whole decision-making tree that follows is one that is, is much easier to navigate, much easier to manage. I am a little surprised, Lizzie Bose, and I like it that your instinct is to if you can afford it, take the hit, take responsibility. I know. For Usually I'm like, I'm not the part in this of the, the ask where you didn't make that clarification, where, you know, you've got a, you're a little involved in this in some way. And that being the case, can you avoid the disappointment? Can you avoid the awkwardness of, of canceling? If you are going to cancel, I wanted to just cover very quickly the etiquette of that. Cause I think that's a harder dismount to stick than, going ahead and going for it and just eating that cost yourself and putting on a good mood for that night. However, however unhappy you are with the way that it happened or, or developed to begin with. I'm thinking of something like you do it as soon as possible. You talk to everybody and you take responsibility yourself. So something along the lines of I'm a little embarrassed. We just didn't realize how expensive this was going to be and we have to back out or we just aren't going to be able to to participate or come along. We're so sorry for 
any disappointment or the disappointment or confusion this causes, as soon as we realized, we realized we had to let you know, and, and we're doing that right now. We hope everyone has a great time. This sounds like such a fun event. Wish it was something that we could participate in. Maybe there's a different way to do it in the future. Or leave that part out and just keep it. <laughs> Can you all hear Dan running on like Oh, my goodness. It, you can tell when a sample script uh, goes off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> I, Dan, I like it. I like everything you had. I, personally, I'm totally willing to admit the embarrassment and to just say, Dad, like, you know, I loved how you started there. Dad, I'm a little embarrassed. It didn't occur to me how expensive this might get. And it, it really is beyond our budget. I think making it clear that this is beyond your budget, something you can't afford. I know those things might feel a little embarrassing to say out loud especially as an adult to an adult parent. But I feel like it's a clear line. I think when we hem and haw, and Dan, you weren't hemming and hawing, but when we just hem a little, and haw just a little. over, over or, or around, if we dance around the idea that we can't afford it, we aren't really making things clear. And I think it's really important to make it clear. We can't afford this. And then Al- Alternate I think, language uh, possibility. This doesn't fit in our budget, doesn't fit in our holiday budget. You might be able to afford it. But it's it's really not part of the plan, or I, I don't know. I, I guess I that's think the it's a little easier of, yeah. when you're dealing with other people to not go that direction. I think making it clear, I can't do this, or I can't afford this. It's true that they say the same thing in the end. It doesn't fit our budget. But I think when other people are thinking about it, I could hear in the dad's own brain, like if I'm imagining it, which I am, oh, it's not in your budget. You could push your budget a little, like, come on. You know what I mean? Like, but somehow a very clear, we can't afford this really kind of, I think could take the data back a bit and go, oh, 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 shoot. You know what I mean? Now, I'd like to think that a gracious father who could afford it would step in and say, you know what, I'll cover you guys. I care more about having you all there. That would be my hope for this situation. But if that's not what happens, I also think that having a suggestion of something you can afford to do with the family, either before or after this event, so that maybe it's that, you know, before you guys all go, come over for, you know, cocoa and hors d'oeuvres at our house. Or after you go, let's do dessert and coffee at our house. I've or, seen it. I can't you know, wait to talk yeah, to you about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's something like that. But I think what I do hear out of this whole question that Confused has proposed is that the gathering and the family spending time together it's is what's really important to the dad's wife or the mother in this situation and i think confused as you think about your ways of maybe backing out of this event that you put the emphasis on making sure that some kind of family gathering is happening for the mother because that's the real gift here you know and that doesn't have to be the car and the and the show that you've already seen or don't care to go see at all. It could be something else. And so I think kind of your redirection for the disappointment that dad might be facing is, listen, I really hear you that mom or let's call her Eleanor – uh, really cares about the whole family getting together. Could it could it be that you guys go do this with that branch of the family and then we all do something else together that's a little more in our price range? And I think the dad would get where you're coming from on that. You know, I think he'd figure it out like, okay, rock hard place. Let's find a good middle. I so like that idea of really keeping the focus on the family gathering and the family experience. It's almost impossible to fail. If it's clear that that's the thing that you're trying to make happen or that's the the component of this that you want to support and, and do everything that you possibly can to be a part of. Confused. This sounds like a slightly confusing situation, but I hope that our answer helps you navigate it with grace and poise and that whatever direction you go, the whole family has a great time. At the end of the month, she adds all the expenses together and subtracts them from the family's income. By means of this simple form of bookkeeping, the household knows exactly how it stands financially and can plan its spending and saving. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, 
so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This question is titled Sharing Celebrations. How can I establish a holiday tradition with my son's family when his wife spends Christmas Eve with her mother, Christmas breakfast with her sisters, and Christmas afternoon with her father? I am a widow living 50 miles from my son. I've never been invited to my daughter-in-law's family celebrations. Ooh, Dan, I'm 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 sensing frustration here. Like this is a this is a, you know, I, I want to spend time with my family. I want my son and his, his wife to be together. And at the same time, I've never been invited. What the heck? Uh, and we don't have a, a name to go with this question. So I'm going to refer to our anonymous. question asker as anonymous. But mm-hmm. this sounds like such a personal question to me. And mm-hmm. the, the very first thought that pops into my mind is I, I really want to encourage anonymous to talk to her son. Mm-hmm. I really think that that's where this begins. I, I feel a desire to to have that connection, and I think that's the the, the place where you begin to grow it and build it. And I love the mm-hmm. the thinking, the broad thinking about how do I build a tradition? How do I create, foster, engender the the expectation that this is something that can happen again and again, that we can look forward to, that we can count on, where we know that we're going to be a part of each other's lives and. Mm-hmm. I want to be supportive of that. I've got sort of a two uh, sort of two approaches that I would suggest, but I'm curious, Lizzie Post, what are you thinking about this one? I'm definitely with you that a conversation with the sun is the way to go. And one thing that I'm unclear about here is whether or not when the wife goes to her mother's place, her sister's places, and then a Christmas afternoon with her father, if our anonymous's son is also going, if if the if the son is also at these events, or if the son is is on his own, I would guess. So it just, you know, I typically think of it as automatically the couple goes together. And yet I actually know a number of couples who celebrate Christmas apart because it was just easier than trying to change up everybody's everything or alternate years or things like that. And there might be a little bit of that going on here, in which case it might be that you can talk to your son about really joining him for Christmas, having the two of you join up or or having him come join you and the rest of your family, depending on, on how your family is built and who makes up your holiday. But I do think a conversation with your son is the way to go and talk about options. It's very hard to invite yourself to someone else's tradition, but you can always start by inviting everybody else to yours. Maybe it's something where you're able to, in, you know, invite the mother and the and your daughter-in-law over for Christmas Eve dinner at your place, or it's a, you know, any one of these three separate parts of her family, you could certainly invite to join you. I understand that you're living 50 miles away, but I definitely know it is not uncommon for people to travel for Christmas. My hope is that the invitation might spark what's sometimes considered a little rude, a counter invitation of, oh, thank you for the invitation. However, we'd also like to extend one to you. If if you wanted to come and join in in this, this would be great. We can't guarantee that that's ever going to happen. But at the same time, I kind of could see that being a conversation that unfolds. Dan, what do you think? Okay, I am just sitting here delighting at the uh, strategic (laughs) deployment of an invitation. (laughs) Just saying, it's not really to get an invitation in return, but maybe it would spark one. (laughs) In some ways, it's the shortest form version of the conversation that I was imagining. You can – and I don't think it's necessarily rude, but even knowing that the – that your son's family is booked in this way, that they have engagements Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, Christmas lunch, Christmas afternoon, and just sort of get yourself in there by issuing that invitation. I, Lizzie Post, I love that. I, I had been thinking about something much more sort of earnest, and I, I was imagining that discussion with the son being one where where you open your heart a little bit and tell them that, that you're really looking to – to start a Christmas tradition with him and his family, that that's something you would love to do. If you miss him, if that's a time of year where you find yourself missing your son, feeling like he's not present, you could tell him that. If it's not a feeling of loss, but it's something that you want to, that you want to start because you, you want to be a part of his life and his family's life and you want to get to know them and you're, 
recognizing the holiday as a, a, a time to start to build that kind of expectation and tradition. We talk on this show a lot about taking advantage of those cultural and social expectations that we have, even when they feel like they're, they're just sort of a structure. Oh, I, I send a thank you. No, I send a condolence note. I, I have to do it. I do do it when these things happen. And at the same time, when we actually do those things and we inhabit them and fill them up, they, they become the points of connection in life that are oftentimes mm -hmm. the basis for good relationships. So yeah. this is the conversation I'm imagining in my maybe a little Pollyanna way, but you could keep it focused. Tell your son how much it would mean to you. Try to keep it positive and forward-looking. Talk about mm -hmm. w what you're anticipating or what you'd like to see, not how disappointed you are that you haven't been invited previously or that his family seems to make a lot of time for his wife's family, but maybe not as much time for you. I would keep those sorts of thoughts or observations out of the discussion. Mm -hmm. In some ways, when I was thinking about how Pollyanna this imagining was, Lizzie, <laughs> I liked your idea of the invitation being a way that you could really concretize it, that you could make an offer, you could make an invitation that that gets the ball rolling. And I, I don't think it's necessarily looking for the counter invitation. I'd be prepared for someone to accept it. But I think that's a likely chain of events. The other thing that I just wanted to say is that there are lots of ways families navigate this. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, you, families will rotate years if there's a particularly treasured. Maybe it's the, the Christmas dinner. Maybe it's the Thanksgiving dinner. Or maybe it's a particular stocking opening time in the morning. Maybe you alternate years between families. Another tactic that people sometimes use is to portion out the holidays. Maybe you get Thanksgiving and Valentine's and the other in-laws get Christmas or, 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 or some distribution that works like that. And then the other not uncommon situation is that oftentimes people will get invited to come along. And that's the one that I imagine um, Lizzie is picturing as one of the possible <laughs> responses to that invitation to your son and his family to come do something with you. Hey, we've got this thing going on with my wife's family. Would you like to come on Christmas Eve and have dinner with us? I think is a a very likely reply to that invitation as well. I also want to close this question or this answer, I should say, by offering a little perspective on the daughter-in-law. I'm seeing someone who is trying to balance three groups of her very immediate family. This isn't cousins and aunts and uncles or godparents or something. This is she's balancing a mother, sisters, and a father. We don't know from the question why those three groups can't all be together or why even two might combine, can't combine with each other. But the way that this woman has had to structure her own holidays is by dividing it up. And it's clearly she's showing importance in my mind for the day and for the different people she has to, to try and coordinate to be with to make it special. And I think that just giving a little bit of grace towards the fact that she's, she's really trying to balance all of that for her own sense of family and tradition and celebration and holiday, I think is, is a worthwhile thing. I mean, I, I always felt very fortunate that we kind of had very distinct holiday plans in the post family, you know, mm -hmm. and that it, it, it wasn't like I had to go far at the same time. I know folks who absolutely loved their traveling multiple holiday gathering, you know, 24 hours that they would spend. <laughs> and so I don't want to put it down or say, oh, poor her. Um, she's clearly making an effort to connect. And I think that embracing that willingness to celebrate and that desire to celebrate would be a great place to lead from as you try to talk to your son about how you might start incorporating you into their holiday runaround. <laughs> Anonymous, thank you so much for the question. We hope that our answer helps you and your son to communicate well and that next year you'll all be celebrating together. Try to think of new ways you can help your family and ask your mother and father about them. They'll be glad that you want to do something that proves how much you love them and appreciate all the things they do for you.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next question is titled, Thanks, But No Thanks. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm a new listener and really enjoy the podcast. I listened to some of your most recent episodes, but have gone back and started from the beginning in 2014. And what a time capsule. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I feel like we have to put warnings on the early episodes. I am so curious to see how you handle questions about political discussions in the Trump era, the pandemic, and a number of other etiquette-related events that have taken place over the years. My question is about how to write thank you notes when gifts do not work out. Here is the situation. This year for my birthday, my aunt sent me a sweater. I sincerely liked the color and it fit me, so she had the size right. But the style was cropped and just a bit too short for my liking. I could not raise my arms over my head. Know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I ended up returning it. She typically buys gifts from the same department store, and so this is fairly easy to do in order to receive a store gift card. I have returned things from her in years past as well. Given this type of situation, what should one write in the thank you note? In the past, I have always just thanked her for the gift, mentioned something I like about it, which is usually genuine, and sent it off. This is what I did this year as well. We live very far apart and usually only see each other once a year during the summer when said sweaters will not be worn. (laughs) It is very unlikely that she would ever find out that the gift had been returned. So what is the proper etiquette here? It feels wrong to send an honest thank you note that says, thanks for the gift, but I returned it. Yet I also feel like I have sort of been lying. What do you all think? Sincerely, Time Traveling Listener. Time traveling listener, I like you have so nailed one of the little nexuses in etiquette, which is is it better to be honest and tell someone that you returned a gift, or is it better to thank them for the gift that they gave you and just not mention what you do with it afterwards, right? Like, I mean, I don't uh-huh. call up Dan and say, I'm hey, so curious what you're about that to say, Lizzie. CBD Post. oil that you bought me when I first started higher etiquette, yeah, it's. Still in my drawer, unused. I don't, you know, tell my sister when I've I've sent the thing that she gave me onto the goodwill five years later. So do I need to tell someone that I returned it? And also, what's really the harm in telling someone you returned it? If it lets them know cropped styles aren't your thing, That's it could help the direct them to something the good. Road. This is such an etiquette conundrum. It really, really is. I think it so depends on the relationship, Dan. I think that if this aunt is someone that you're that you're close enough to, that you know her style is something where she just would so much rather you have a sweater that you like and will enjoy. I think letting her know about the return, not a big deal. If this is someone who is very proud about the things that they buy, if if they're under the assumption they always get the perfect thing, sometimes it's better just let those folks live in that world. Like, it, <laughs> and just saying it, like, this is awkward no matter what. Like, on the, it, like, I feel like this is like the thank you note that no matter what you do, you're always going to second guess it. And I hate putting it in that framework because we tend to try to give people confidence on this show. But maybe the confidence, Dan, comes in the fact that as long as you know the relationship you have with the person, the personality of the person, how they think about gift giving, that you could choose either road and still be in pretty darn good stead because what you're doing is thanking somebody for the gift that they gave you. You know my little rule about lies of omission, right? <laughs> Mickey Mouse ones or what? No. Like, I, well, we don't do it. We we try really hard not to white lie anything. It's true. And, and I think one of the trickiest places to, to sort of walk that line, let's say honestly, is mm-hmm. when you're talking about not telling someone something. Mm-hmm. And that can be a deception. That I, I call yeah. it a lie of omission. If yep. – if, it ever came out the thing that you didn't tell them was something that that you should have or there would have been good reason to or that in some way when it does come out if it feels awkward that you didn't mention it and this falls into the category for me of 
I don't think it's a lie of omission. I think you can go either way. I don't think you have to say that you returned it because if it did come out that you returned it, it's not that big a deal. It's not that, something so- that would cause harm or offense or something if it was and I'm putting this in air quotes, found out. Yeah. I'm with you, cuz just so you know, that moment where maybe you you do see this on in winter and she says, Oh, where's the sweater I got you? And you say, you know, I ended up returning it because it was cropped and the the style didn't quite work for me. But I, you know, this is the sweater I returned it for and I love it and thank you so much. I feel like you can work that moment. I I feel like you can. And I've I've had a extended version of that conversation (laughs) with the people that you like that you describe that you know better and you always get me gifts from XYZ department store and it's perfect because if I need to, I know where I can go and I can find something that I really like or store credit is really useful for me there. Yep. There there are so many places that conversation can continue without getting awkward and I think you can feel good about. I also liked your assessment of the relationship. If the relationship has room in it, if you're connected, if you talk about other things as well as the gift exchange, then I think there's more room to have that discussion about, oh, I returned it for this and I got the thing I like so much better and the crop top was really problematic flattering, but it didn't work for me <laughs> or whatever exactly however Notice you Dan's better sample that. language there guys. <laughs> if the only thing you talk about is the gift, I think it elevates the um the miss in some ways if the the only exchange and this is where i'm making the real subtle decisions about what kinds of relationships support having the discussion about the return gift and how it went you might have someone that you only talk to once a year it's easy to have that conversation with i'm just thinking about dosage in the relationship i know dan i know dan i even feel like like there are some aunt and 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 niece or nephew uh relationships or sibling child relationships that are capable of even if that gift is like the only exchange in the summer visit or the only two exchanges you have all year like you just know sometimes whether people would be annoyed by this or not. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I know between my aunts and uncles who I would do this with and who I wouldn't, you know? And like they're not all people I see regularly anymore. I did as a kid, we don't as adults, but I can still like I they like I still pick up the phone and call any of them. You know what I mean? But like Absolutely. But, but some I would have that like Oh, no, this is just not the type of person that would receive the idea of a return well. And this is the type of person who, even though I haven't talked to her all year long, she would totally get it. You know what I mean? And so it's just, it's so particular, time-traveling listener, to the relationship that you have with this person, to what you know about them. And to how you feel about writing the note, I think that comes in here too, Dan, that like the note you want to write and feel good about writing, I feel like is also a player in this. And it doesn't completely overtake the other person and, and how we think they might receive it. But I think it does come into play here. I got to say, though, this is also why it's a great idea to always include a gift receipt, because it kind of lets someone know if you want to return it, you can. I I love it. I just love gift receipts. I I like (laughs) to give them to people as I want them to know. I do not care. I want you to get something anymore at all. But I love the fact that you still love them. (laughs) Half the time I think of a gift as credit at my favorite store. I don't know. I don't know which piece of hand blown glass at Simon Pierce is going to appeal to you. It's it's everyone's individual. Everyone's unique. What I really want is to give you the gift of of spending some time in that store. Or if you like the 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 hurricane lamps that I got, great, (laughs) love them and enjoy them. (laughs) But if you want to go look at bowls or table settings or wine goblets, please, that's go do it. That makes me happy. Time-traveling listener, we hope that you enjoy your journey through awesome etiquette and that this holiday, not only do your gifts fit perfectly, but that you can write very enthusiastic thank you notes that you don't have to second guess. A lesson in honesty. Honesty to yourself and honesty to others. That lesson will stand you in good stead all your life. I, I think we've all learned a good lesson. I've always heard that honesty is the best policy. Now I'm catching on to why that's so. It isn't always easy to be honest. Our next question is titled, A First Name Faux Pas. Hello, I have a question about children calling adults Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. versus addressing them by their first names. 
I am a teacher who has recently gone from the elementary setting to preschool. In elementary school, teachers are still referred to as Mr., Miss., Mrs., Ms., etc. Aides are often referred to with the honorific attached to their first names. So that's like Miss Janie, for instance. However, in my preschool, adults either go solely by their first name or by Teacher Jane or Teacher Susan. Last names aren't used. Upon starting my new job, I had planned to introduce myself as Mrs. Blank. However, my supervisor introduced me to the children by my first name without asking what I preferred. Since I knew that no disrespect was intended, I didn't object. And since it's the norm at the school to use first names, I've stuck with that name. I can't say I like it, though. It feels really awkward to me. I was raised to use titles for elders as a show of respect. I've considered introducing myself to new parents and students next year as Mrs. Blank, but I'm wondering if that would come across as pretentious given that nobody else uses last names. Am I stuck using my first name forever? Am I just holding on to a bygone nicety and need to get with the times? Thank you for your advice. Sincerely, old Mrs. Fuddy Duddy. <laughs> did that make you laugh, Lizzie Bose? Oh, it did. It did. It did. And I also just want to say, like, you get to be called whatever you want, but I think you're going to have to have a conversation about it. <laughs> like, That's pretty much my take here, too. Is that your take? Okay, give Just it to so us. I can officially get on board with that. You, you mean I can't just run away with the show on my own, Dan? <laughs> I, 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 all I want to say before I'm going to let you want to. tease out some of those details is that it is not bygone if you still care and that is my way of saying exactly what lizzie post just said which is that you get to make decisions about how you're addressed and how you would like people to address you and there is in this particular case enough awkward etiquette in terms of having already been introduced and there being an organizational Mm -hmm. norm or usual way of doing things that you might be a little bit different then. But I think that there are lots of good etiquette ways to navigate those conversations that are going to leave you being addressed the way you would like to be addressed. Old Mrs. Fuddy Duddy, typically we would advise that you make a correction like this quickly, but I'm reading in your answer that you're kind of running with the the teacher and the first name for this year as that's how you were introduced. And if that's okay with you, then I would probably be looking toward sort of an an end of the year moment or the the start of the school year before students have come into the building, but when you're reconnecting with with your fellow staff to address the fact that you really do prefer to be called Mrs. So-and-so, that you wanted to check to make sure that it was okay in the school because it does seem like they have an MO. I highly doubt that MO is so in place that you wouldn't be allowed to be the teacher who got called Mrs. and your last name. I think especially when you describe to your supervisor or the principal of the school or whomever it is that you would talk to about this, that this is really what you prefer and what you're comfortable and confident with, that it would frankly provide another example to the students of ways that we talk to adults and and that that would be a good thing. Personally, that's how I see it, that, that you're actually providing more experience for the students by hoping to stick by this tradition. But I do think you do want to just check in with the school and make sure that it isn't some reason that they have for calling everybody teacher and the first name. That pending and and sort of out of the way, it is important for you to be called what you want to be called and what you're comfortable being called. And I think that addressing that, my thought is that the beginning of the school year is a good time to do it because I feel like if we try to address it at the end of this school year when we might have time as we're wrapping up with our fellow teachers and things like that, that folks might forget over a summer break if there is one. So anyway, that's why I'm going for this particular timing. But there's nothing wrong with standing up and just saying, you know, I I really do. Okay, maybe you don't have to literally stand, but I I do prefer using Mrs. in my last name. It's a part of the tradition that I grew up with, and I would really appreciate it if that could be what I'm known by at this school. It would definitely make me feel comfortable, especially with my students. And I think that is absolutely fair. I think it's absolutely a a request that any of us can make. 
and that as long as the school doesn't have a particular reason for doing the teacher and first name structure, that you'd be you'd be in good stead and that people would hear you. That really doing it in a venue or at a time where people are paying attention, where we're talking about what were our plans for the upcoming year are, things like that, I feel like it would be a good time. It's funny. I was thinking less about the timing of it and more about mm. my order of operations. I was mm. thinking about how do you execute uh, a change after a mistake has been made? And mm -hmm. there's a point of etiquette where you've been introduced incorrectly and there are ways to – reintroduce what you'd like to be called that would be more or less calling out the person who made the introduction badly. So I really like your idea, Lizzie, to start with that admin or supervisor and just be sure you touch base with them how committed people are to a first name approach. And some schools, they they're committed to that as being respectful and kind the way that maybe in a not so bygone era, people cared about titles and last names. But like you, Lizzie, I think that explaining where you come from, having a little bit of a talk about it, and, and really approaching it from the perspective, not of a challenge to school policies, but just this is how I like to be addressed. This is the way people usually address me, and I'd like to stick with that, I think is a really reasonable request. As long as you're not calling out the person who introduced you incorrectly as you make it. And just being aware of that dynamic a little bit, I think, is worthwhile at, at, at the first step in this chain. Beyond that, I would be sure to have similar conversations with teachers and parents, other adults who can help you set a new standard, model the behavior that you're looking for. With the adults on board, you would talk to the kids in your class and whether it's at the start of the year or during a year about people liking to be addressed in different ways. And this is the way that you really like to be addressed. And you're hoping that they can learn how to do that and that you're willing to work with them and teach them how from that point on, having done that, you allow for some adjustment. If this is happening midstream, if this isn't a new group of students that you're meeting for the first time, you can be gentle with them, gentle with the reminders and gentle with the, the other adult examples around you so that students don't feel called out or like they've done something wrong if they slip back into an old pattern, but that you're continuing to provide the encouragement and the examples that will teach them the skills and help them develop the habit of addressing you the way that you would like to be addressed. Well, Miss Fuddy Duddy, we do not think that you are so Miss Fuddy Duddy. And we really hope that our answer helps you get addressed the way you would like to be addressed at your new job. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Just remember, use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. We've folded our amazing sustaining membership to this podcast into our fabulous Substack launch this year. And so we are really, really excited to be able to offer you more as sustaining members of the Awesome Etiquette podcast. Please consider becoming one by becoming a paid subscriber at our Substack by going to emilypost.substack.com. There you'll get an ads-free version of the show, access to bonus questions and content, including discussion threads and our community, plus you'll feel great knowing that you help to keep awesome etiquette on the air. To those of you who are already paid subscribers over at our Substack, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today we have feedback from Catherine on episode 430 about the R word. Hello, AE team. Please allow me to expand on the feedback for a question you discussed in episode 430. Julie asked for your thoughts on handling the use of the R word by her colleagues. Lizzie and Dan, I love that you discussed the difference between swear words and derogatory words, and I think the tactics you offered were helpful. Another option I want to offer Julie is to work with management or HR to create a company-wide campaign. In 2009, a campaign was created 
to spread the word to end the word, which asked people to pledge to end the use of the R word. In 2019, spread the word to end the word became spread the word with a focus not just on elimination of a word, but on the creation of a new reality, inclusion for all people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Spreadtheword.global has a variety of resources available. I don't have a direct association with this organization. Rather, I'm a mom of two young adults with multiple diagnoses, including intellectual disability. So this discussion struck a chord with me. And when I hear the R word used, well, mama bear. P.S. Thank you to everyone who has awareness that their words matter and encourages others to do so too. Mama Bear, thank you so much for that feedback. We really appreciate your support and also appreciate you illuminating the spread the word to end the word campaign. I think I, I wish I had known about it when it was going on because it's exactly the kind of thing we would we would enjoy being a part of. But we really appreciate your support and your expansion of this topic. Thank you so much for writing in with your feedback. Thank you for the feedback. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next piece of feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today, no big surprise here, folks. We're going for our annual Postscript on thank you notes. Dan, it always feels like a very appropriate time of year to be talking about this. I feel like you and I have thank you notes down pat. We used to be very divided about thank you notes. Three verse four sentences. No, no, I don't no, know, no, 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 no. You get it correct. It was three verse five sentences. And I was about to say, I think I've come most oftenly to settle in the middle with four sentences in my thank you notes as I write them. Like I've noticed that they, I tend to want the one extra sentence to say mm -hmm. something more like to the thank you for the gift, but then the like the uh enhancement of that thank you by saying the, the one sentence, the connection the of it, something like that, and then the close. So, so I don't go for the total five yet. I haven't totally crossed over to Dan Land, but I'm no, I'm coming no, closer to you with four. <laughs> no, I think four four is my 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 Mad Libs version, oh, and I sort okay. of allow for a five <laughs> that kind of. Could happen if y'all hearing, hearing this. Y'all hearing this. Personalizing, connecting thought ended up being a two sentencer because uh -huh. I like to have that forward action mm -hmm. sentence sandwiched between the opening thanks and closing thanks. Ah, what do you details. mean the forward action sentence? What's, what's that one? So looking forward to seeing you. Well, that's what I use to close the whole thing. That's what I use to close the whole thing. See, I go back to I, I do a repetition of the thanks to close, oh, which might right. be extraneous, depending. So maybe that's where you could you know shave off that fifth sentence and get it back down to four if you've been going on. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what do you think? Should we come up with a couple sample thank you notes for folks right now? Let's do it. Okay. Lizzie Post, let's start with a three-sentence simple and direct thanks. Okay. So I might start that one by saying, dear Carolyn, we'll say my co my cousin. I'll be writing one to my cousin. And that would be the salutation, yeah. not the first sentence. Not the first sentence, just the salutation. Dear Carolyn, I hope you had the most amazing Christmas this year. Nice greeting. Thank you so much for the ever so perfect tea towels you sent me. I love them, exclamation point. I really hope we get to see each other this summer on the vineyard. Love to you always, Lizzie. How'd I do? Pretty good, but I stopped counting sentences because I was so taken away by your thank you note. Oh, it, lovely. Was it three so sentences? It was short. It was short. I, I mean, I had a long middle sentence. You know, there were a comma. There's like a comma in there somewhere, but... Ah. <laughs> 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 All right. Give me a good four-sentencer. Dear Will and Susan, thank you so much for the Bread and Puppet calendar. You know how much I love the Bread and Puppet Theater, and this is simply the perfect gift. I will love it all year long. Thanks again. With great affection, <laughs> Dan. I think that 
was four sentences. I couldn't that quite tell where that the four. period it was in the like middle of that long sentence one. that went on. And <laughs> Maybe a semicolon was involved somewhere. <laughs> put, put a period before that. I will enjoy it all year. I will use it all year. I will. I will. I will enjoy seeing it all year okay let's go for a longer form one this one how about take us away okay give us your flowery best lizzie post okay dear auntie moo this is my godmother who i call moo her her name is camille which became camoo which became moo dear auntie moo oh my goodness what a delight it was to find the package from you on my doorstep just before the christmas holiday exclamation point I hope that you and your family enjoyed a fantastic holiday all together in Connecticut this year. I was so excited when I opened my package and found the beautiful teapot that you sent me. How did you know that it was exactly what I had been hoping for to cozy up with this winter? I know that we don't often get to see each other, but I am really hoping that we'll be able to connect in 2023. I have so enjoyed our communication via text and phone calls over the last year, but I'm really looking forward to an in-person get-together. I hope that you and yours are going to have a wonderful and fabulous 2023. Much love and many thanks. Your Lizzie. How'd I do? Aww. Good. I'm, I'm I'm imagining the the half sheet coming out to fit it all. Does that all fit in a card? Can you I do it? I think I can get it. So I probably start on the right side of the card and move over, or start on the bottom half and then move to the top half. But yes, I think we can get there. I think we can get there. So I got a gold star, a plus thank you note from Peggy Post not too long oh, ago, and you and me both. They were beautiful she, notes. She, she spilled over a little bit onto the back of her mm-hmm. correspondence card. I noticed. Just had so much to say. Just needed that. That extra room which was awesome that was a beaut peggy is known for her thank you notes and they were really really beautiful ones it can be hard sometimes when you're not sure what to say about a gift and one of my favorite tips especially when you're helping youngsters is one of dan post sennings tip damn do you want to give it are you wondering about having the gift right there in front of you or at hand not just wondering about it because I think it's an excellent idea. It gives you things to comment on, the color, the size, the shape. It sparks that emotional component again. And so when you have a gift that you are excited about, but maybe you're just not feeling very inspired, having it right there in front of you can make a big difference. Something about that concrete item for concrete thinkers or non-abstract thinkers. <laughs> exactly. Lizzie Post, I... Yeah. Can't let this discussion of thank you notes go on too much longer without acknowledging that, yes, this is an annual tradition that we do a thank you note postscript on this show and has been since 2014 at this point. <laughs> but I want to give you credit because something very special happened the other day. And it wasn't you writing a thank you note, but you actually had a thought about thank you notes that oh. I said to myself, I don't think I've ever talked about that before. And <laughs> I've been talking about thank you notes a lot for about 15 years. In the last three years, we've done a whole special program on gratitude and how gratitude <laughs> functions for us. And there is a new bullet that I get to put into some of the material <laughs> that I will be sharing with people. And you came up with it long after I thought it was possible for us to come up with anything new to say about thank you notes. Could you take a little victory lap for me and tell our audience what you told me? I will. I was I was talking with a Wall Street Journal reporter about texting our thank you notes or emailing them or doing a video or a phone call instead of a handwritten thank you note. And of course, this question comes up every single year. And as most of our audience knows by now, we are we are actually big fans of of texting, calling and sending videos to say thank Thank you, but not as like a replacement of a handwritten thank you when you haven't been able to thank somebody in person, but as sort of an immediate enhancement, right? That you get the immediacy of it by sending it right away. People don't have to to kind of wait long to know that the gift arrived, it was well received. And for those with whom we have really awesome texting rapport and we know maybe they don't 
even care about or even want you worrying about sending thank you notes, like my godmother who actually has told me, no, you may not send me a handwritten note anymore. I only want text and phone calls and videos of you. (laughs) I mean, it was like, blew my mind. But I think that what's kind of interesting as we start looking into it is that the texted thank yous are really great for immediacy. But the longer that we get away from the moment when the gift actually landed, the less of a good impression a texted thank you, whether it's a video or a phone call or anything, is going to make, right? Because they're, frankly, easy things for us to send out. So the longer we wait, the kind of more lackluster they become. Whereas a handwritten thank you note, if you send that even like at the end of January for your holiday gifts, let's say your December holiday gifts, people understand. They're like, oh no, it like, you know, you got to get past all the holidays and then you got to remember to write the note and then you got to get everything to write the note and then you got to send it and it takes some time for it to get there. Totally understand why this ends up coming in late January. You know what I mean? Whereas this you, is so brilliant. Like, okay. <laughs> I've got to interrupt you for a second. What Lizzie Boast, this is for the benefit of everyone listening who may have been, you know, paying attention to the driving that you were doing for a minute or, or, or the cooking that you were doing. What Lizzie Post just said is that the window for effective delivery of the thanks extends when you choose to go to the handwritten note. That, that, that immediacy that's one of the advantages of the text starts to lose a little bit of its luster. And right around the time that that luster is, is really starting to be lost, you're just hitting the beginning of the best practice thank you note, handwritten thank you note, thanks. So you could be bad about your thank yous and still stick the landing. You could get there <laughs> A-plus grades mid-January, late January. It's... <laughs> Um, it's it's not the single selling point that I would use to encourage people <laughs> to continue to write handwritten thank you notes, but it is a distinct advantage and um, another another thing to be aware of about that particular gratitude tool. Okay, Lizzie, sorry for the interruption. Please uh, just continue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a whole lot more to say other than that it was really interesting in talking uh, to this reporter, Claire, when I was just going, oh my goodness, wait a minute. You know, you get a lot more reprieve on lateness of a thank you if it's a handwritten note, but you really aren't going to receive that if you're late with a texted phone call or, you know, a text, a phone call or a video. I just I'm not tardy. Yeah, right. You just didn't wait long enough to get your (laughs) awesome thank you. Oh, my goodness. So... What I like about this, though, is that it really has us looking at these thanks and when they're when and how they are most effective and where they might start to actually come across as maybe even a a little I don't want to say impolite because I think every expression of gratitude is polite. But as we said, it loses a little bit of its luster when five, six weeks after the event, you're thanking someone with just a short text message and I think it's worth considering. I'm a big fan of all the wonderful connection that texting and phone calls and being able to send each other little videos does. And I think there is nothing better than when I actually get a photo of my goddaughters or godson using the gifts that they have gotten from me and and I find out how it went and all that. Like I, I am delighted by that moment. But I find it really interesting that the handwritten note gets kind of a much larger window of acceptable response time to it. And so something to consider as we all tend to kind of like get through the holiday rush and and breathe a sigh of relief and then go, oh, shoot, I didn't write that note. (laughs) At least I know I end up doing a bunch of that. So if on the morning of the 26th you're listening to this or sometime during the first week after a Christmas or Hanukkah holiday and you're thinking to yourself, boy, this is a lot of pro- – right, right away into the thank you notes, consider this your permission, your inspiration and your permission. Get those thank you notes done. Write them. Get them in the mail. But if it takes a week or two, don't be too hard on yourself. You know what to do. Now here's a group of letters with another purpose. These are letters of thanks. Uh, tell me, Nora, which of these did you really enjoy the most? This is a thank you letter for our gift. Here, listen to this. Thanks a million for sending me the delightful book for my birthday. How did you know I've been trying to borrow that very book for weeks? 
Now that's a pretty good example of the sort of thing that makes the letter a lot of fun. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a salute from Bridget. And yes, that is our very own Bridget Dowd. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I hope the holidays are going well over there in the colder part of the country. I wanted to give an etiquette salute to my aunt and uncle, Ruth and Rick, in California. A couple weeks ago, my childhood dog, Indy, had to be put down after 14 loving years. Since I live in Arizona and my dad lives in California, I was unable to be there in person to send her over the Rainbow Bridge. Fortunately, my aunt is a veterinarian, so Indy was able to go comfortably at home, and my uncle coordinated FaceTime so I could say goodbye virtually. But having them there to make it easier for everyone was greatly appreciated. So... Many thanks and big cheers to Ruth and Rick, and a reminder to hug your puppies tight. P.S. I want to acknowledge that I'm very sorry if this makes anyone sad, but I was really grateful for what my aunt and uncle were able to provide. Bridget. Oh, Bridget, thank you. That is such a nice salute. And I'll confess, it it does bring just a hint of sadness, but it's that full-hearted sadness. Yeah. That sadness that also makes me want to hug everyone just a little bit tighter. It does. It absolutely does. Bridget, thank you for sharing a little bit of Indy's life with us and the Awesome Etiquette audience. And thank you so much for being such a big part of the Awesome Etiquette team. And thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something today and everybody who supports us over on Substack. We are so excited to have our sustaining member group over there now. Please connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers. And feel free to share awesome etiquette on social media. You can send us your questions. And heads up, we need them. We're about getting ready to pre-record a bunch of shows. And so we need all the questions, feedbacks, and salute that you can possibly send us right now. By email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Please do consider becoming a subscriber to our Substack by visiting emilypost.substack.com. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It's another way to help our show. It helps our show ranking, which helps more people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine, and it is assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks, Chris Chris and Bridget. Bridget.